Well, here we go. Y'all ready? <laughs> it's packed. I'm packed. And uh, we're heading out. Since I was a baby, literally, my family uh, has taken me into the high mountains of southwestern Colorado. About 35 years ago, I, uh, or 34 years ago, I started taking my youngest child, my son, and uh, we went all over those mountains, wilderness uh, packing, and um, we'd go in the fall. It was a seriously fun and amazing time. I'm so grateful for those memories. But kids grow up and they walk away and uh, they have their own lives. And I, this old guy hasn't been backpacking in a very, very long time. So maybe two weeks ago, this son now, who grew up to go back to the same area that I took him to so many years ago that he grew to love, he lives there now. He calls me up and says, Dad, why don't you come go backpacking with us? And uh, he, could, uh, he has three boys, and he could uh, hear the hesitation in my voice. <laughs> and he just blurted out, he said, Dad, all you have to do is keep up with the five-year-old. <laughs> you can do it. And uh, I thought about it for a while, and then the Lord just said, for heaven's sakes, go. Just go. So here's my new pack. It's much lighter weight. I'm trying to get as much light as I can get, uh, lightweight stuff, but I'll take it off now so I won't get in the way. You're on a journey as well, and uh, we're going someplace. We're going someplace because we've been invited to go, and it's a beautiful, beautiful journey. I was just brought to tears, brought to tears with the, the, the music the praise music, so thank you, Greg, and all the team. Goodness, y'all brought us into the presence. And it is with the presence that we walk all of the days of our lives. You are so, so good to us, oh Lord. Now, uh, along this journey, there's some pretty steep hills at times. There's heavy weight at times. It's a hard thing to go up above 10,000 feet in the mountains carrying any kind of weight. And, uh, you just have to be gracious with yourself when you go. Likewise, there's a whole bunch of you out here right now, uh, the D-Men cohort. We want to welcome all of y'all. And uh, all you, the D-Men's, let's see all the, y'all show us where. Well, bless y'all, bless y'all. You're on a journey too. And uh, this heavy thing, you're carrying some of that as well, right? Yeah? 
Your professors are back in the back, I think, so be real careful here. But <laughs> anyway, I see, I can barely see y'all back there. All of us, in some sense, uh, those of us who have been trained here, and those of us who are seeking training right now, are teachers of Israel. And I just want to share in a very, very loving way up front right now that it's a fairly dangerous thing to be a teacher of Israel. In fact, it's a really dangerous thing to be a teacher of Israel. Don't you love The Chosen and how the movie, the series, The Chosen? Any, anybody watching that? And, oh, my gosh. And how they are portraying Nicodemus. Oh, man, I just, I'm so grateful for that movie. So here's Nicodemus. What's he trained to do? He's trained to have answers for the people of God. That's what he's trained to do. He's trained to be a shepherd of the people of God. Now, he's also in kind of a social position. Now, these uh, Pharisees, they were liberal people. We wrongly sometimes think they were conservatives. They were not conservatives by any means. They uh, monkeyed around with things. They added stuff to the law. They did, they just, they, they did a lot of free uh, thinking on their own, and then they laid heavy burdens on others. It's so easy. It's so easy as a teacher of Israel to get our vision in mind for the people that we lead. And so out of longing in his own heart, Nicodemus is coming, at, you know, he comes behind the scenes to Jesus. And, and basically Jesus is saying, man, you, you're not getting it. You ought to get it, but you're not getting it. Lord, have mercy on us. And he speaks a hard word to him. Nicodemus, he's saying, pay attention, wake up. Now, even as we've got a bunch of demon people on the journey now, uh, Mike Voigt and I have just completed a three, uh, well, actually it's not completed, but Mike Voigt and I have been on a three-year journey with a cohort of demon students. I see one of them here. There might be more. Uh, so, uh, anyway, if what I'm about to say applies to the one that is here, then amen, so be it. <laughs> what an adventure to be with 19 professional clergy, people who are mature. In, no, there's two of them here. Holy cow, yeah. To, to, see, to be with them for this three-year journey. Uh, we... I think we had a great time together. We learned. We were stretched. I mean, we, we went through the whole COVID stuff together. We're still in COVID together. But then we came to a very high mountain in this uh, journey. It was the high mountain called verbatims. Do y'all know what a verbatim is? 
So this was a cohort where uh, they were required to do spiritual direction, one-on-one -on -one spiritual direction for one another. And it was a whole year-long process. The cohort itself was to equip leaders and ground them spiritually so that they can lead from a spiritual formation standpoint and a deeply biblical and Wesleyan standpoint so that they can lead those that they are called to lead. Ah, and then we came to the verbatims. What do the verbatims do when you, when you copy down word for word how you're sharing about how you need to be, uh, how the Lord's working in your life, and then how... Uh, then you flip it and then you help direct the other. Oh, the verbatims open up your world. And so two things happened. Happened quickly. The first thing moved me to tears over and over and over and over again. And that was to see the real life issues of the people of God. At, at some point, it was almost too much to, 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 to walk with the people of God. But then the shadow side hit in the verbatims. Oh, what's the shadow side? Y'all listen to me now, you teachers of Israel. It seems like in our training to be pastors, leaders, teachers, professors. We have a really deep need to have answers. You say, well, wait a minute. We, we are called to have answers. Yes, you are. We are called to be grounded in biblical, orthodox Christianity, consensual Christianity. That's a call not to be turned away from, not to be denied. And that's a call that those of you who are studying now, you want to take that up with everything you have. But somehow it gets subverted along the way. I mean, you go to other professionals, you go to see a physician, you want answers, right? You go to see a lawyer, you want answers. You need help from other uh, professionals. I just had my car taken in this past week. I expect not only answers, but I expect things to be fixed. Oh, sounds reasonable, right? Sounds good. Sisters and brothers, you take that kind of mentality on in the work you do. Well, what does it do? What it will do is it will move you to be an answer person for others. It will move you to do what we call fix others. And who's been the most guilty of all? You are looking at him. Who needed the most help of all in this area? You are looking at him. I grew up herding cattle. I love to herd, you know, I love to, I love to say, come on, y'all, come on, let's go. This is where we're going. Get on up there. And we might even crack something every now and then in that whole process. Oh, but Jesus, save us from it. Save us, save us, Lord. 
When you fix people, you strip them of the capacity for them to hear directly from the Holy Spirit themselves. All right, now what do we do with this? What do we, what do, we do with this? Well, if you flip over with me to Luke 22, or flip back uh, to Luke 22, and you're going to see in uh, Luke 22, 31 and 32, a pretty strong address to a person who needed a strong word from the Lord. Simon, Simon, very interesting. He's going back and calling him his first name here. Satan has demanded to sift all of you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your own faith may not fail. And you, you boy, you daughter, you son, when you have turned back, whoa, when you have turned back, when you have turned back, Strengthen your brother. Sometimes the Lord brings events into our lives that cause us to turn back. My sweet mother gave her much of her adult life to leading uh, what was called a satellite center for the state school system in the state of Texas. This was a place where people in the little town where we grew up could come and bring... Um, people who needed help in their everyday life. There were brain damaged people there. There, there were, uh, well, you get the picture. These were all handicapped people, some of them very seriously handicapped. And my mother shepherded them for years and years. One day she took them on a field trip to the main um, State Center Hospital in Lubbock, Texas, and I just happened to be pastoring a small congregation outside of Lubbock, and so she bought her bus up, and, and all of her, all of her uh, sweet people that she loved so much got off the bus. I took them over to the church so they could use the facilities. While they were using the facilities, I sat down at the piano. Then Rayford. Can get through this. Mm, sorry. <clears throat> then Rayford, well, Lord help him. <laughs> sorry. <clears throat> Rayford came over and sat down by me. Now, Rayford was a big old uh, muscular football player who was in an automobile accident. And he had, he, he was brain impaired. He had major brain damage. But he came out of all of that damage as one of the happiest, most godly, most loving people I've ever known in my life. One of the people in mother's group thought I was Jesus because I had a beard. And so he would come and kneel down before me and wrap his arms around me and say, pray for me, Jesus, pray for me. Now, you don't think that'll humble you. His name was Joe. But anyway, I was sitting at the piano, and Rayford came out, 
He sat down by me. He knew I could play the piano. He said, play him, Steve, play a hymn. I said, I was a little re reluctant about it, uh, but I said, all right, Rafer, what do you want to play? And then he picks out a hymn that must have had, you know, five sharps or whatever, you know. <laughs> a popular hymn, but some people are given the gift of sight reading and some people are not. I grew up uh, taking piano lessons. I took piano lessons until I graduated from high school. And we had that phenomenon called, y'all know what it is, what's that phenomenon that, that piano students have to participate in? They're drugged to concerts and recitals and they're judged there's judges out there and they make the poor little boy get up there and play the piano for the judges and then they rank you oh I hated that I also developed a gift during that time when I forgot the script I just keep playing in the same key till I got it back and I know y'all never do that So Rayford comes down, he sits by me and says, sing a hymn, let's play a hymn. And I started playing and I was hitting all sorts of wrong notes. And I thought, oh, oh, this is awful, this is terrible. But then I looked over at Rayford and he is singing his heart out to Jesus. And man, the Holy Spirit came on me and said, son, play it with all you've got. And don't worry about missing a note. You see, a teacher of Israel is an upfront person, oftentimes quite concerned about the response that's going to come their way. A teacher of Israel is inherently insecure because we need the people to like us. And Jesus says, when you turn, there's a turning. There's a turning to move this away from performance to mission. There's a turning to move away from trying to fix people and having all of the answers for God's people. There's a repentance involved in that. And it's a hard, serious repentance. I am not here to have God's perfect plan for you. There is one who is the living word. He's the one who comes along beside us. And my job as a shepherd of the, of the ecclesia of God's church, an under-shepherd really, an under-rower is the word Paul used, my job is not to give people answers, but to point them on. Listen to this. Listen to this word. So Jesus said, but once you've turned back, 
weeks. I've seen that D-Men program do amazing, amazing things in, in turning people. What a, what a ministry. Ellen and Tom, and, and I, I can't honestly see who all else is out there, but that y'all have done in this D-Men program. Greatly used by God. Once you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. Now listen to the meaning of the word strengthen. I'm going to be like Ellsworth Callis and pull out my one note. Strengthen. Set them in a certain direction. Confirm them. Set them in a certain direction. You teachers of Israel, including me, the wind blows where it will. Quit trying to control it. The Holy Spirit comes and transforms people as He desires. Quit trying to control the Holy Spirit. The wind blows with graciousness and goodness and convicting grace. You don't have to be the transforming agent. You don't have to be the perfect upfront person. What a beautiful name he is. Who is? What a beautiful name he is. Who leads us and enables us to let go of our need to fix and control so that we can allow him to do what we could never do if we had our own way. So we praise him. Let's stand. We worship him. We bless him. We bow down before him and receive his word to us. Once you've turned, Go strengthen.